Well, it's great to say good morning to Tim Ashoff with Crete Schaefer Hunt. Tim, it was great uh, being with you there for, well, just a little while at least. Everybody's always moving so fast at the truck shows. Yeah, it was great to see you down there and, and certainly a very positive environment at uh, Gats this year. So it was fun to be down there. You know, um, one of the things that uh, was spoken about at the show and then afterwards here on this radio program was the fact that there seems to be a bit of a shift in, in at least that uh, trucking uh, show in terms of not so much about the equipment and the trucks, but the people. It was more driver-centric, I think, is the word that a lot of folks were using. I think that was absolutely the case, and I think you saw that by the uh, by the people uh, providing displays. It seems like there was a, an app for anything down there <laughs> uh, that you could uh, be there to help assist the driver. And then certainly seeing, I know we'll be talking about it here, but the FMCSA and and the spirit of those uh, sessions being more focused on the drivers and and getting input from the drivers. I thought overall, yeah, the show was was very focused on the driver versus the the equipment itself. Yeah, you know, uh, they have uh, put their toe in the water several years ago at uh, the bigger truck shows. Well, let's just say Mats and Gats, and um, uh, they seem to be fully immersed now. <laughs> they had, uh, I don't, I forget how many sessions, but over a couple of days, you know, um, I was able to go to one of the sessions they had. Um, it was about automated vehicles. I was not able to schedule the uh, hours of service. Uh, uh, listening sessions, but I understand they were very well attended. I was able to attend uh, most of one of those, and yes, very well attended, and I thought really thoughtful questions from the drivers, and it was a great opportunity for, uh, I think, enforcement and, and for the agency itself to see, you know, where the where the written letter of the regulation crosses over into real life with the driver there, and, and situations being brought up, and say, how do we work through this? And I thought the discussion both on behalf of the drivers and on the FMCSA and some of the enforcement officials was very positive and productive in understanding, you know, each other's world. A lot of times, um, anecdotal evidence for something sounds real good and it plays out for an individual or a smaller component. But then when you take the 30,000-foot view, you find out that, no, that's not really the way it is. And it becomes sort of a forest and trees situation where you can't see the forest for the trees but the forest is what we really need to look at because everybody else is in the forest. And, you know, you get into all of that kind of stuff. Um, it, but it seems now that the barrier between uh, the, the anecdotal evidence and the data-driven evidence is all pointing toward the same thing. There needs to be a change to something, uh, whether it is a complete abandonment of the so-called 14-hour clock, which some are proposing. Others are saying we'll split those sleeper berth rules up differently. And now ATRI, the American Transportation Research Institute, as you know, Tim, has come out with their own uh, white paper on this. And they say that any combination, essentially, any combination of breaking up the um, the 11 hours or the 14 hours is better than what we have uh, instead of the eight and two or sleeper birth. Actually, I'm sorry, the sleeper birth uh, period, seven and three, five and five uh, is better than eight and two. And, and they, they put out some pretty, pretty, uh, pretty compelling numbers on that because they're starting to really get 
enough data in now, and everything is so data-driven. And boy, that was a long way to... I'm going to let you take over for a while here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think what you're getting on is, is, you know, we talk about seeing the uh, forest for the trees and the trees for the forest is sometimes that we have to remember, you know, we we know what world we live in out here on the road as as motor carriers and drivers, but sometimes we forget the world that the regulators have to live in and the rules they have to follow. And, you know, they have requirements that, you know, obviously the goal of the FMCSA, their, their mission is to ensure, you know, safety out on the roads. And so they make rules that they believe uh, will, you know, uh, help improve that safety. And the rulemaking process requires them to have some, you know, legitimate basis for those rules. So in other words, some data for those rules. And I think, you know, as much as sometimes we um, had some people, um, you know, pushing back and, and, you know, screaming that they didn't want them, uh, ELDs is one of those things that is now providing data. And actually, you know, that's, I think, this notice of proposed rules making, if you ask for, if you look in there and some of the questions that they're asking for is they're saying, hey, we need some data. Uh, If we want to provide some flexibility in our hours of service rules, we as an agency have to have some data to base our decisions on to show what impact would this have from both an economical and a safety impact. So, so, hey, carriers, hey, drivers, rather than maybe just some anecdotal, which is good, they want that as well. Can you provide us some data on what these changes that you're asking for may mean? More and more data is being poured into some place, so to speak. All of the ELDs that are on the road right now, they are constantly pushing data into terminals, uh, kind of literally, you know, trucking terminals, uh, back offices, the compliance offices and things like that. That that data is not going to the government. A lot of people think it is, but it's not. Although someday that may change. But before we've had studies that uh, basically prove or disprove something. But when you get into studies and you find out, well, 1,453 drivers uh, were in this study or 500 drivers or 50 drivers. Or we're looking for drivers to be in a study. And then you still get that little small compact group of people who may or may not be, you know, uh, uh, accurately reflecting the entire industry. It's like it's like these uh, political polls. We're not getting into politics here, Tim, but those political polls, 57 percent of the American population says this. And then you look at the bottom and says, yeah, you know. They looked. They talked to a thousand people. We have three hundred sixty-five million people. So these thousand people now are are basically steering the boat. Um, now I think for the first time, and to your point about the ELD, all of this data coming out of these ELDs is going to basically, it should possibly, just do away with the need for any small-scale studies with large-scale. Implications because or applications because the data is coming in the real data and that's what we've been waiting for for a long time. Yeah, that that's absolutely true. I still think uh, we're probably a little ways off because of the volume of the data and that you know I think there's over a hundred ELD providers out there, and some of us are still on AOBRDs and 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 getting to uniform data, I think we may be, you know, until the ELD final mandate for everybody is in place and the AOBD, 
AOBRDs go away, will we have all the same data? But I do, yes, agree at that point if um, the FMCSA at some point could could set up something to manage on how to bring in some of that data, even if it's not, you know, hey, let's the FMCSA wants data on every ELD every day. I think that would be unmanageable. But, um, hey, for a period of time, um, we'd request to have your uh, ELD data to look at the patterns, um, not for any individual compliance or otherwise, but for some of these types of studies and rulemakings to show how can we make um, things better and how can we improve both the world for the for the driver and overall safety. I think there'll come a day where that that's where we're at. Yeah, um, the, it, it can be a tool that can basically really help somebody. You know, you can take a hammer and hit a nail, or you can hit your thumb, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it just depends on how you use it. Now, getting kind of circling around, because you talk to a lot of folks, you're talking to a lot of folks now, but on a one-by-one basis at the companies, you talk, Schaefer Hunt, of course, you, you talk to a lot of drivers what have you heard from from drivers, and not necessarily just your own drivers, but what have you heard from drivers about the changes they would like to see in the hours of service regulations? Is flexibility still like the key word, and then what does that really mean for an individual? It is still the key word of the drivers that, that I do talk to, but I think the drivers are also being very reasonable. They're not saying flexibility means you just, you know, throw out all the rules and, and you know, let us um, manage our day completely uh, um, to our own, basically getting rid of the hours of service. It's more of we need flexibility during those times where things happen that, that we can't control or during those times where it would actually be better and safer for us um, to not be driving right now and extend our day out some. So, you know, hitting Chicago traffic at rush hour, um, those types of situations going through Atlanta at rush hour, um, those situations are the biggest thing I hear because I do think, you know, I do think most drivers don't want to be in a situation where they are, you know, frequently switching the time of day that they're driving. So in essence, switching from nighttime driving to daytime driving or daytime driving to nighttime driving. They know they can, you know, doing that occasionally, um, I think they're good with and they feel safe about. But if you're in a situation, maybe back before um, the 14-hour the rule, the 10-hour break rule, um, and back on paper logs where drivers were, you know, potentially could be bouncing back and forth a lot as the time of day they were driving. I think they, for the most part, they'd agree that now is better than those days. And so they they want some flexibility, but they don't want a situation where they're bouncing back and forth on, hey, I'm driving at night, now I'm driving at day. So I think they want flexibility, but I think they're being reasonable about it. Yeah, because, um, you know, you have to play, if you're going to play the game, you need to stay on the field, so to speak, at least that much. And then you can you can operate within, you know, some reasonable boundaries. Um uh, otherwise, uh, you know, they could be throwing balls into the stands uh, to get across uh, eventually to the goal line. You've got to stay within the boundaries. And the boundaries um, are now pretty pretty set. I mean, we have almost like geofencing in terms of the, the boundaries so that the ELD provides. To your point, and, and you make a good point about the fact that, yeah, uh, hold on just a second, Dave. You know, some folks have ELDs. A lot of folks have uh, uh, A boards. Some people don't know which they have. That's been an issue that's been talked about quite a bit. 
uh, in terms of when the uh, DOT officer asks you, what do you have? And uh, drivers don't even know at this point um, because the box has been in that truck for a while. If it has been, it's probably not an ELD, blah, blah, blah. You know, so you get all of that. And, you're, and, and to your point, the data is coming in, but we don't have enough now. This rule is going to take a while to go into place, even if they fast track it. I'm thinking at minimum a couple of years by the time it's said and done. Is that too long to wait? Well, I don't know what choice we have. <laughs> yeah, that's a stupid question, but, but, I know, but I don't know if there's any no, way to no, fast track that. Yeah, I think they can move a, move some of this along a little bit quicker um, th than that whole, uh, and I think that's why they did this advance notice of proposed rulemaking. They have a shortened uh, comment period of time of only only 30 days, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Uh, I think they can move it along uh, a little bit quicker, and I think part of that is is what they'll need is they need some of these studies, like the ATRI study that's already done, because uh, as I mentioned, they need something to show that what they're doing is not lessening safety, but on the road to improving improving safety and certainly having an overall safety and economic positive impact for the for the country. And so I, I think what we can provide for comment on this uh, as an industry and, and certainly what we can provide um, also anecdotally from our drivers and others in the industry about the positive impact that would have, um, I think will help move this along. And then certainly, um, you, you know, I do believe that uh, the current administrator and Secretary Chow, they're committed to uh, looking at this and moving this forward. So what they do internally as well to keep this moving um, will help this, I think, be quicker than that two or three time through two or three year time period. One of the things that uh, is of, of paramount importance in terms of uh, any changes that are going to be put into place is that they need to basically become better in terms of driver productivity so that a driver can make money driving the truck as opposed to not driving or driving at highway speeds through an area instead of waiting in traffic and being caught in rush hour uh, to maximize the miles they can drive in any given amount of time, whatever that time allowance will be. Um, and regardless of how the, the clock becomes flexible, it's still going to be a clock. And I think that's what a lot of folks kind of forget in that equation. Flexibility doesn't mean doing away with a clock. It just means, you know, being able to utilize the clock a little bit better. And utilization by the driver to that driver's maximum benefit needs to be the, the ultimate goal here. Um, how do you think the proposed rules, uh, if they are changed, can help drivers be more productive? I think it's uh, two things on allowing them some flexibility in um, splitting that sleeper berth. I know we have the eight and the two now, and you know potentially, you know three to seven, four to six. I think uh, increasing that to a point where we still. Uh, achieve the purpose of not having a driver, you know, as I mentioned earlier, switch their day back and forth between day and night. Um, 
continuously. You know, occasionally it happens, as I mentioned, and that's okay typically for drivers. But having them still on a fairly steady sleep cycle, uh, and then and then giving them the flexibility where, hey, I'm I'm running into Atlanta at three thirty. I need to go all the way through it. I'm probably better sitting here, you know, taking three hours of a break and a nap in, and then after six thirty at night when the traffic's cleared out, letting me go through then and extending my fourteen hours by those couple hours is is safer for everybody, less stressful on the driver, I think, in the end run, in the long run, because driving through Atlanta certainly is stressful and taxing, particularly towards the end of your day. Um, having less congestion in Atlanta, less possibility of accidents, uh, you know, in that area. And that combined with I, the, the, the half-hour break in that eight-hour time period, um, you know, is, is, you know, you don't think it's a very long period of time, half hour, but drivers uh, then, I, I know from our drivers, they talk about, well, I was so used to, you know, driving for four hours, stopping, getting a 15-minute walk-around break, you know, those types of things. Now I'm pushing myself to, to push that until I get closer to that eight hours, so I take one break. Um, so I think that, you know, looking at that as well, and that's not a significant um amount of time, as I mentioned, but the, the lifestyle that that creates for the driver and just the, um, the, you know, stress that can put on, even in that first part of the day, we're saying, Hey, I don't want to stop after three or four hours. I need to keep going longer uh, so I can preserve my time. I think just those two things alone, if we provided some flexibility on that, um, drivers would feel much better about it. And, um, day to day to day, you know, after uh, four hours of driving, you may need a break. And on the, on the next day, after eight hours of driving, you may not even need a break. In other words, it, it's it's a day-to-day thing. You know, there was a time, going back to my earliest days of hanging around with you guys and trucking uh, back in the early 70s, when drivers were able to figure it out. They were able to get from point A to point B in the most efficient manner with the maximum amount of rest and relaxation uh, they even had time to play some pinball at the truck stop. You, you know what I mean? There was a coffee counter where the guys would hang around and, and talk for a while and have some coffee, and uh, the waitress would call them by name. Um, and But they knew what to do and knew how to do it, and they knew when to hold them and when to fold them, so to speak. And now that ability hasn't been taken away, but the uh, permission to do that and to exercise your expertise has been to a great degree taken away. And I think that's what, if it all comes back down in full circle, I think that's what these rules, I think, should do. It should restore the, the it should restore the permission for a driver to use his or her innate abilities to maximize everything, maximize rest, <clears throat> maximize productivity, um, and maximize their, their health and well-being all at the same time. If folks can do that, if they have the the wiggle room to do it, and 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 I, I think hopefully this will lead in that direction. That's certainly true, and I think you know that again, putting it in the context of of how we have to work with the FMCSA on that. You know, um, there, there's rules out there because of, of people on the fringes. You know, we have we have speed limits because you know a lot of us know that hey, I'm, I'm I should shouldn't probably be driving more than you know 65 to 75 on the interstate because that's a safe speed. But there, if we didn't have a speed limit of 75, we we have a few people that just you know would drive 100, and so a lot of times those rules are for those uh, few people that. That um, if you give them the flexibility, uh, they they don't make the great judgments, and so that's what the FMCSA has to um, kind of 
provide for that flexibility, but certainly still make sure there's that backstop against uh, whether it's um, the, the driver that makes maybe not the greatest judgment or, you know, the situations where maybe a, a shipper or a receiver or, or carriers saying, hey, we really need to get this done, uh, which isn't safe or isn't legal. Um, that's a protection for the driver as well. You know, um, we're going to be talking about this more and more as we get closer to um, the next step in the uh, rulemaking process. Uh, before you uh, joined us here this morning, Tim, I took a quick look at regulations.gov uh, at the hours of service page. And as of midnight this morning, last night, 1,014 comments have been submitted so far on the advance notice of proposed rulemaking. Uh, the deadline, and you're correct, it's a 30-day period. Deadline is uh, September 26th. Well, so that gives us, what, 24 more days, 22 more days to uh, get comments in on this. Well, it's great to hear that so many people have commented, and I know, um, as you mentioned, that the listening sessions that the FMCSA has had across the country, certainly at the, the Great American Truck Show, was well attended, and, and there certainly were a lot of comments, and as I mentioned, it was great back and forth, so it's good to see um, um, a you know, government agency working with industry to find an ultimately, you know, hopefully a safe, uh, viable solution to this challenge. Tim, always a great pleasure to, I always I learn a lot when I talk to you, Tim. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me, and good luck with the storm down there. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Tim Ashoff, everybody. And, of course, uh, Tim is uh, with uh, Crete, Schaefer, and Hunt.